This is NPR News. I'm Mike Mulcahy. Thanks for tuning in today. With 11 days to go before Election Day, we have a special program, the third and final debate in the campaign for Minnesota governor. We are live at the Fitzgerald Theater in St. Paul. Tim Walls is here. He is the DFL incumbent, elected four years ago and seeking a second term. Before he ran for governor, Tim Walls represented southern Minnesota in Congress for 12 years. He's also a teacher, a football coach, and a 24-year veteran of the National Guard. His Republican opponent is Scott Jensen. He is a family physician from Chaska. Dr. Jensen is a former Waconia school board member, and he served in the Minnesota Senate from 2017 to 2021. Thanks to both candidates for being here today and agreeing to debate. The rules are fairly simple. I'll ask questions, give you each a couple minutes to answer. There will be time, plenty of time, for follow-ups and rebuttals. You'll each uh, have a, a lot of time to talk, so there's no reason to filibuster. You can make your points. Uh, there is one hard and fast rule, though, that I will enforce strictly, and here it is. You can't both talk at the same time. If you talk over each other, no one will be able to hear what you say. You won't get your point across and people may even turn off their radios. We don't want that to happen. Uh, the candidates will each have a minute at the beginning and a minute at the end for opening and closing statements. We flipped a coin before we started, and Tim Walls, you get the first opening statement. Well, thank you, Mike. Thanks to NPR. Thanks to the historic uh, Fitzgerald Theater. And thanks, Minnesotans, for tuning in. Uh, this election's about our future. You're going to hear, and you've seen over this campaign, two very contrasting visions of Minnesota. Scott's vision is a dark and fearful vision of Minnesota. It's one where women are criminalized for making their health care decisions. It's one where we defund our public schools to give tax cuts to the wealthiest and then add taxes on clothes and food. Uh, it's election denying and the threats to imprison uh, political opponents. That's not the vision that I have, and it's not the vision Minnesotans have. We've been through some challenging times together, and we've come out stronger than ever. We offer up solutions to the toughest problems, making sure we're fully funding our public schools, making sure that we're investing in moving Minnesota's economy forward and being a leader around climate change, and also making sure that as long as I'm governor, we'll make sure that women are trusted to make their own decisions. I look forward to today's discussion. Thank you, Governor Tim Walls. Uh, Dr. Scott Jensen, your opening statement. Thank you, and thank you, Minnesotans, for tuning in. I became a family doctor because I wanted to help people. I'm running for governor because Tim Walls hurt people. In his inaugural address, he said that he would unite people. He would unite Minnesota. His slogan was, One Minnesota. That's a sham. Tim Walls failed. Minnesota is broken. We're fractured. We're deeply divided than I can remember in my lifetime. Just a few seconds ago, you heard Governor Wall say, we're stronger than ever. Really? That sounds to me like a word salad. That sounds to me like politics as usual. We had Minnesotans crying out for the last two and a half years, where's our governor? He quit. He quit on the National Guard. He quit on the cops. He quit on the state patrol. He quit on the kids, and he quit on the people who are dying in the nursing homes. Minnesota's broken. There's an opportunity for us to move forward, but it's going to take new leadership. And that's why I'm running. Thank you, Scott. We're going to heal Minnesota together. Thank you. Uh, let me start by uh, asking the same question of uh, each of you. Governor, let me start with you. The state has a large budget surplus. Whoever wins will have just a few months to put together a budget proposal for the legislature. 
What are your top three budget priorities, and how would you use that surplus? Yeah, we have this surplus because Minnesota's not broken. Minnesota's economy is one of the strongest in the country. We have a budget surplus at the same time we lowered middle-class taxes. Uh, the biggest thing we need to do is continue to invest in those things that make Minnesota strong. We need to make sure, as we agreed upon in May, to invest in education, to continue to make sure that our schools remain strong and that we're able to bring our students into a modern workforce. We need to invest in our infrastructure. We need to pass the matching funds for the federal uh, Infrastructure Act that passed to be able to move those forward. And then we can tackle some of these issues that we know are on, out there that will make our economy stronger, like child care, making sure we're investing in child care. I was down in uh, Northfield the other day talking to some incredible entrepreneurs out there, and one of the things holding them back is the workforce development that comes with child care. We couple that with some of the innovations we've done about creating a new pipeline for certified nursing assistants and making sure that we are continuing in Minnesota to understand that our greatest asset is our people, our economy economy is the fifth most diverse. We've had the lowest unemployment in the history of the country, and we have record-breaking exports because manufacturing is back. So I think investing in education, investing in the infrastructure, and then investing in those things that keep workplace song. Scott Jensen, what are your top budget priorities, and how will you use the budget surplus? Let's be clear, Minnesota. We don't have a surplus because we're stronger than ever. We are in the lower half of the states in, in this country regarding GDP growth. A Star Tribune article a couple of weeks ago indicated that we have met the criteria for a recession. We have a surplus because we've received billions and billions of dollars from the federal government. That's why we have a surplus. First priority for me would be to eliminate the unconscionable double taxation on Social Security. This should have been done a long time ago, and it should have been done as a standalone bill. It should not have been used over and over again as trade bait in an omnibus bill. We've become so casual with money that Tim Walls wants to sweep any evidence of waste, fraud, abuse, or cost overruns under the rug. This is not good management of your money. He will say frequently, fully funded, in regards to education. Nobody knows what that is. We know that we pay per student 150% of what many states do, and yet we're underperforming. Frankly, our educational system is broken because we have... Education Minnesota, a liberal union, more concerned about their fiefdom and their dollars and their power and their control than giving our kids a good foundational education. Okay. We need to use that surplus to have that big, broad discussion about can we be a state that becomes the economic hub of the Midwest and can we actually get to a point where we could go without a personal income tax? If we don't use the surplus now to help lead that conversation, we'll never know. Thank you, Scott Jensen. Uh, Governor Walls, uh, what about the tax on Social Security? Will you uh, propose that in your budget? Certainly, if you're I, I proposed it in 2019 of raising that tax. About 58% of Minnesotans pay no tax, no state tax on Social Security. Uh, we were able to move that up to add about 14,000 more people back in 2019. I agreed to this. And keep in mind, we had a budget deal that was agreed to. We signed our names. Senate Republicans broke that. Um, and very clearly they broke it. Scott didn't want to see a deal, didn't want to have, uh, I guess, me get credit for helping Minnesotans. But it's interesting, and we've just started this debate, but can you imagine waking up in the morning like Scott does and looking for bad news in the paper? Not seeing that the paper said Minnesota ranks first in the health care of women and children. And he's a physician, but let's sweep that under. This whole idea of admiring a problem and offering no real solutions, cutting the income tax so that millionaires and billionaires, Scott's friends, are able to see a tax cut so they can send their children to private schools 
many of them run and profited by his own running mate at the undermining of our public schools, which he continues to call black holes and denigrate. Minnesota public schools are some of the best in the country. There's no doubt that these years have been challenging, but our students are resilient, our teachers and our staff are ready to do it, and our parents time and time and time again vote on bonding referendums in support of those public schools. So I, I, I said it at the beginning, and I didn't know it would be this early, it would be so clear. A dark, pessimistic, negative view of this state versus one that's offering real solutions and moving us forward. I want to come back to education in, in a minute, but uh, Dr. Jensen, since, you, since uh, your tax plan has come up, uh, are you promising more than you can deliver with that plan? And why not lay out more specifics on that plan? Well, let's start with what Tim Walls just shared. I get up in the morning and get on my knees and pray because I'm filled with joy that I have another day. So I don't really think people see me as a person with dark images, but thank you for that characterization. You're probably smarting a little bit, Tim Walls, just because on the radio here they don't get a chance to see your wonderful smile. But regardless, when it comes to taxes, I never promised that we would be able to get rid of our personal income tax. I said we should have the big discussion. That's why these campaigns are so pedestrian. Tim Walls has offered no ideas. He's run his entire campaign on demonizing me and trying to tell the world that the only issue on the ballot is abortion. Bottom line is we have put 10-point plans out on how we can fight inflation, energy costs, crime, education, how we can help minors, how we can help farmers. In terms of the income tax, if you don't have the discussion, you can never find out whether or not it's possible. This is what's wrong with politics. I think politicians get so stuck on the next election or keeping their seat. We need to be able to stretch and go outside the lines and ask ourselves if we did cut spending 10% and it was replaced by more corporate profits, more corporate taxes, more corporate activity in Minnesota. If we use the surplus to backfill, if we would cap our expenses and let the normal inflation of revenues build into that, could we get there? I don't know. Could we get halfway there? I don't know. I do know this, that virtually any tax there is, Minnesota is in the top 10%, if not top 5%. And I don't know that I've ever seen Tim Walls see a tax that he didn't want to increase, whether it's adding an additional personal income tax bracket tax, whether it's his idea to have a 70% increase in our state gas tax. It doesn't matter. The idea for Tim Walls to try to face you and say that he's interested in reducing taxes is disingenuous. This has not been what he's running on. He increased the okay. budget by more dollars in the last two years than any other change in a budget from one year to the other in the history of Minnesota. Governor, rebuttal. Well, Scott's been called out today for, again, if Scott's talking about things, there's a lot of misinformation in it. The facts are very clear to people. I've never raised taxes and I cut taxes. Um, Scott is sitting in a very privileged position where he's going to take a chance here on, uh, on cutting the income tax. And I don't know if it'll work. You know, what happens to those single mothers who are counting on the state to be there on some of the assistance? What happening in those public schools in greater Minnesota that are depending on the state to be able to do that? Trying this grand experiment. It's been practiced before. You're not running for governor of Mississippi. You're running for governor of Minnesota where you invest. And Scott's plan, he always goes out there, we're going to cut 10% across the board. Well, here's, a, here's not a hypothetical. Every year, as I've tried to increase on budgets, 
say, for example, Department of Public Safety. Um, we have inflation that goes into that. So he doesn't tell you the whole picture on this, gets the budgeting wrong. But here's the thing I would say is, Wednesday, we graduated one of the largest classes in recent years of new state troopers. 35 young state troopers walked across the stage on Wednesday and have now joined that. Scott's proposal says that he will take 10% from across state government. Which three of those troopers are you laying off? Which three are you going to deny their body armor that they need with the funding that goes in there? How are you going to do lazy budgeting by telling people we don't need to increase this rather than having the discussion about what you invest is what you get back? Minnesota's economy is stronger in the upper Midwest, and we can continue to be there. Scott Jensen. I think as a school teacher, Tim Walls must have at times put together some lesson plans for his students. So I would think that the idea of understanding that you can't have a plan until you have the brainstorming first. I have never indicated any specifics in this regard of the personal income tax. I am simply saying this is a, an opportune moment in Minnesota's history where we, could, we should have this discussion. I think that if we had less waste, fraud, and cost overruns, we would literally have billions of dollars more in our budget I think with the $250 million uh, that was lost to feeding our futures fraud, as well as the cost overruns with the Southwest light rail, and also Tim Walz's failure to, if you will, hold people accountable in regards to the hundreds of millions of dollars that were lost in daycare. These are the things that should trouble Minnesotans. You could literally, every household, have $1,000 more in your pocket if during Tim Walz's watch we hadn't had such rampant waste fraud, abuse, and cost overruns. But again, I think that Minnesotans are ready for big discussions. The idea of taking an idea and absolutely trying to use that to harpoon your opponent, I have never heard Tim Walls say, Scott, let's talk about this. How would this look? I have heard Tim Walls say, I need more money. I need more money. I need more money. We need to fully fund education. Nobody in Minnesota knows what Tim Walls means when he says fully fund education. Okay, we well, are already I, at 150%. I didn't talk to you, Scott. Talk at, what Mississippi can't talk at once. Can't talk at once. Uh, I didn't talk to you, Scott, because you quit the legislature on this and, and, and not being there. You of quit the National Guard. I retired because my wife had to have some surgeries. But nice shot, Tim. Not being there in the legislature where we have these discussions to, to how Minnesota's budget works. We have balanced budgets. We're investing in the things that we need to make Minnesota grow. We know that we can always do better. We can always get results. But what you're hearing is a litany of issues without real solutions. Now, when you call them on one of their solutions, like the income tax, oh, I didn't really mean it. Or when Scott belittled me and said, no kidding, Sherlock, we're going to get things done as governor. We're going to ban abortion. That's why I got Matt Burke on board. That's not news. Just thinking out loud here, thinking out loud about denying rights, thinking out loud about destroying Minnesota's budget. And Scott talks about, we haven't talked about this. That's because I've been governing and I've been governing through a pandemic that you made harder by pushing false information, profiting off ivermectin and some of the things you were doing. We have to get the work done. We're not going to get everything right. But this vision of a failed Minnesota, a failed system, no, not everything works perfectly, but we can adjust to those. Minnesota's system has set us apart from other states. We need to keep going in that direction. Okay, let's, let's talk there about no something. There were no more deaths caused by... Hang on, hang on. Let's, let's talk <laughs> about something that, that is not working well. And that is... Uh, How about mi- locking down the let's kids? Let's talk about Minnesota test scores okay. and what happened in our schools. Uh, the, the scores are not looking good, especially in math. 
What does the state do now to turn that around, and how do you plan to get students back on track? And Scott Jensen, let's start with you. Well, I think Tim just said a few minutes ago, Minnesota's got some of the best schools in the country. I don't know where that fluff comes from. Quite frankly, Minnesota K-12 education is in trouble. We have had devastating results from the recent release of the National Report Card. We have virtually half of our kids in fourth and eighth grade not being able to perform to level, grade level, in arithmetic as well as reading. We were absolutely one of the worst in the entire nation. This isn't the time to be, if you will, parading around with your chest out saying, haven't we done well? No, we haven't. And I don't think it's a lack of dollars. I think it's where are we deploying the dollars? If we're spending $13,500 per student and other states that outperform us are spending 33% less than that, then we have to ask ourselves, are we doing a good job? To me, I think we need to let teachers teach. I think the teachers are feeling absolutely smothered by the administrative dictates. I think parents are feeling absolutely if you will, sliced out of the equation. And they've even been called terrorists when they attend school board meetings. And the kids are struggling. Teachers don't feel safe in the environment of schools now. This isn't a good situation to be in. And it's not a time for us to be boasting about how well we've done. Okay. We're doing poorly. We need to do better. And simply you know, parroting the word, we have to fully fund education, isn't getting us anywhere. Tim has All put right. no plans together, nothing forwarded. All we know about the Department of Education is they let $250 million leave the state through fraud, and they did nothing. And Tim, Tim Walls, Walls did nothing yeah. as well. Tim Walls, how do you get students back on track? Yeah, well, it's clear Scott's not been in a public school in a while and certainly uh, hasn't spent the time that I have. Look, the pandemic took a toll on people across the world. Um, you're seeing test scores in Japan. You're seeing test scores in Argentina. And you're seeing test scores across the country. We need to do better. That's why we invest the money last year and we made sure that we had programs that were seeing 200, 300% increase in students doing summer programming, making sure that we were bringing in the support we need. Now, let's be clear. Minnesota ranks 50th in the number of counselors and mental health staff that we have in schools. This is a holistic problem of making sure we get there. If you want a definition of fully funded education, I proposed one this year that could have gone through in this budget that would close the cross-subsidy on special education. The federal government requires us, as they should morally, to make sure that every student gets a quality education, and that means if their special services needed. They promised to fund 40%. They've never done above 20. That cross-subsidy piece, if you fill that, now schools have the ability to adjust and put people in there. But let's be clear. Scott mentioned that teachers don't feel safe. Scott has spent his time on these absolutely outrageous and hurtful internet rumors about litter boxes. He is more concerned about this fake internet rumor than getting guns out of schools, than providing teachers the mental health they need, and continues to sit here. Imagine if you're out there teaching today, and you hear someone running for governor telling you how horrible your schools are. I ask each of you listening today or watching the school that you attended, the one that you're going to go to tonight to watch an incredible football game, or you're going to go watch debate with your kids. Think about what a wonderful place that is. Scott will tell you every day that that is the worst possible place. And every parent out there okay. knows, especially those in Mankato, Take a breath, our Tim. curriculums... Take a breath. One at a time, please. Our curriculums Governor. are available... And they're written in conjunction with this. So having spent 20-plus okay. years in education, which Scott doesn't honor that. He doesn't honor that my father and I served in the military. It doesn't matter to him. It's all about the election and the politics. 
being governor means lifting this state up. It doesn't mean getting everything right, and it doesn't mean ignoring problems. It means putting solutions out and working with the people who are going to make it happen. All right, Scott Jensen, rebuttal. Thanks, I almost fell asleep. Okay, I think in terms of who's recently been in the classroom, I just retired from uh, 30 years of teaching as a, an associate professor at the University of Minnesota Medical School, so I suspect I have a bit more recency than uh, Tim, who I think, if I remember right, he started his teaching career in Nebraska, which might have been reshaped a bit. I think Tim has tried to paint me as an extreme individual, but I would say this. When Tim was identified as driving 96 miles an hour as a school teacher in a small community in Nebraska, I think that sounds extreme. Many people get traffic tickets, but they get them at maybe 10 or 15 miles an hour over them. 96 miles an hour is pretty extreme, but he can answer that on his own. But I think that when it comes to teaching, I think what we really need to do is we need to ask ourselves, what is that that mechanism that's going to get us back on track. And I don't think we're there yet. I think we need to tap under the teachers. I don't think the teachers union really has shown a sharp focus on how do we better educate. I think it has to get down to foundational education, not indoctrination. Critical race theory should be banned. This isn't what's helping. Parents are extremely concerned about this. And when Tim talks about mom and apple pie and talks about going to football games on Friday night. Does he forget that virtually every Friday night it seems like there's either police being called out to control fights or there's been shootings and things like this? This isn't this everything nice and spicy world that Tim Walls wants to paint. I am not interested in finding a new career path I'm a family doctor. I'm running for governor because I think Minnesota's fractured, and I think Tim Wall's policies of locking kids out of school was incredibly damaging. And I think his policy of locking nursing home patients into the facility without the, if you will, contact and assurance and dignity provided by loved ones is a horrific thing he did. And I think when he locked down businesses and he was willing to have his people go out and do investigations of all these businesses that were trying to simply keep their family the bills paid, but he wouldn't go and check feeding sites in the uh, Feeding Our Future front is an astonishing turnabout. So he'll go to get the individual citizens and he'll go and put the hammer down, he and Keith Ellison, but when it comes to accountability and fiscal responsibility. He's not going to a place that says they're feeding 6,000 kids every day, which would mean that every seven seconds a kid has to be fed. Okay. I hope Minnesotans seeing through this word salad that you're getting over and over again. That's uh, what was Dr. the question? Scott, that's what was Dr. The question, Scott Jensen. Mike? Let me just remind everybody what you're listening to. That's Dr. Scott Jensen. Governor Tim Walls is here. This is NPR News. You're listening to the final debate in the Minnesota's governor's race. And as you can tell, uh, there's some disagreement here. Uh, but I do want to remind you, we all have to take our turn to speak. We don't want to speak at once. Um, Governor, let me just ask you one final question on education. Scott Jensen brought it up. When you talk about fully funding yeah. public schools, what does that mean? How much would that cost? Yeah, I think in Minnesota, and the number was right about, it was this year, I think we had $960 million is what the budget proposal was on the supplemental budget. I think that gets the good, the good place of where that closes that cross-subsidy because what that means is, is it's, so for your listeners out there, federal government mandates, again, the special education. Private schools don't have to do it. They send it to the public schools, and we do an incredible job with this. All of our children if they need the help, are able to get that. Well, the federal government never kept up their response on this. They never kept up their funding of it. So schools are obligated to shift their funding 
to make that up. If the state of Minnesota is able to close that cross-subsidy, you know, ideally it would be the federal government, that allows schools to make their own decisions on what they need to do. I think we've seen this with mental health counselors. Again, we've ranked way too low on the counseling numbers across the country. And then we make sure that we have the support staff in those schools. So I think we thought this would be um, a place for us to then be able to understand what school districts, in, in St. Paul, for example, the state's contribution of the budget that we put forward would have made up all the cuts they made, which would have meant they could have kept their program programming in place, their catch-up materials, okay. and some of their new things. So Scott it's about Jensen. that. Scott Jensen, what's Mike, wrong with that? Mike, I will defer some time to Tim. If Could he just please give us an answer that people can understand? $960 million okay. to close the cross-subsidy on special education that the federal government has not, allowing okay. local schools and local school districts, not the state, to make decisions to fund their school. Okay, one, one at a time, please. Are you done now? You asked me to clarify and that is as clear as I can be. Okay, so you I have a concrete let, number, Scott. Let Dr. Jensen talk. Go ahead. Thank you. I think that what would help people is to be able to compare one state to another state. If you look at how we performed on the nation's report card, we performed inferiorly to North and South Dakota, Iowa, and Wisconsin. We spend more per student than any of those states do. We spend approximately $13,500 per student. The question I would ask Tim Walls is, what is the number that he considers fully funded to be? We spend $13,500 per student. Mississippi spends $9,000. We spend $13,000. What is the number that we can hold on to going forward? Okay. The number is 6800 from the state of Minnesota. That the well, state we're already spending 13500 so you want to cut it in half? That doesn't make any sense. No, that's what it is now. But once again, you're hearing from Scott. Scott is giving you a vision of being another state other than Minnesota. The measures, and those of us who are in the classroom, those of us who taught, know there's multiple measures of success. And certainly standardized testing plays a part of a role in that, but it's local control. Now, Scott has made it clear that he will cut the funding, wants to cut it in half, and he and his bureaucrats will make a determination, he said this, which schools would stay open. I trust parents and local school boards. I trust the system that we put in place. I have proposed that Minnesota do a better job of equalization on funding so that we're not punishing areas that are not property rich because their property taxes have to go so high. In the budget this year, I propose making sure we raise that exemption on ag exemption so that we're not punishing local schools where the state can help out. So Scott is continuing to find statistics and cherry pick them to make Minnesota look bad. I'm sorry, I'm gonna be an apologist that those of you who came to this state and those of you who are here, we have pride in the state. We have pride in our schools. We have pride in the things that we've done. And we need to continue on a path that we're investing and lifting up those students, those parents, and those teachers. Scott Jensen, quick word, then we'll move to a different topic. The data that comes from the Minnesota Department of Education indicates that 13500 per student is what is. Now, Tim just said 6800 so perhaps the fact checkers can do some homework later on in that. Because if I'm, if I'm incorrect, then if we're only spending 6800 per person, that's remarkable. Because, State contribution. But anyway, uh, getting back to, um, I think, this whole idea of what is a vision, I think Minnesotans want 
some concrete ideas on the table. That's why we've done 10-point plans. I think what you get oftentimes with Tim Walls is you just get a lot of words, and it's just hard to sort of sort it out. And that's what's making it so difficult for Minnesotans to know where do we stand. I mean, you didn't show up for the debate the other night. You said in the Farm Fest that you wanted multiple debates and you wanted big audiences, but you don't want any audiences. And, And I think, Tim, that the disconnect for Minnesotans is substantial. People feel like you're hiding. And I would just ask one question. Are you hiding from something? Is there something that you don't want to talk about? Here's what I would say Minnesotans are tired of. You just heard this. This is an amazing thing. Keep track of this. Debating a debate at a debate. Um, the fact of the matter is, is governing Minnesota, I think Minnesotans have seen me quite a bit. Um, I think they've known out there. I've endured a lot of, uh, of slander towards uh, spending an honorable career doing work for the state. I haven't got it all right, Minnesota. I'll tell you that. I certainly take responsibility when we can. I think we've laid out a vision that equity matters in Minnesota, climate change is real, investing in our children matters, and that I believe in this state. I believe in you. You did this, and you came through COVID, which I hope we're going to have a question about, because there's some real difference here on this. Because if you're auditioning for this job, Scott had an opportunity in the one area that's supposed to be his expertise, and he found himself being one of the most vi- uh, one of the most to use this right, dangerous people when it came to COVID, being the only person praising him was Vladimir Putin. And now there's a reason the entire Minnesota medical community, the best in the world, is supporting my candidacy because they understood that this was a moment to follow science, to build coalitions, and to tackle hard problems with real solutions. So that's what I've been doing. I don't think I've been hiding. I think I've been solving some of these issues with Minnesotans. Well, since the topic came up, Scott Jensen, uh, outside the mainstream on COVID, true or false? I think I've definitely been a skeptic, to be sure. I think that I was the first one, and it was interesting. We're talking about this this morning. I got a text from a physician, and he said, I just uh, reviewed a death certificate on a patient of his, and the patient had died of a fall. But in box two on the death certificate, the contributing condition box, they had put down COVID. So I'd reached out to him. I said, why did, um, why did they put a contributing condition of COVID? He said, I have no idea. That was probably where I first became, if you will, identified as the skeptic. And I had expected that um, someone from the Department of Health would contact me. I was vice chair of the Health and Human Services Committee at the time. But there was no response at all. All I got was three months later, for the first time in my life, I was um, being investigated my, my medical license, and that's been five times. But it's never been done because of a health care service I provided. It was because someone didn't like my politics. But when it comes to COVID, I think it's been pretty well established that locking kids out of school was a horrible decision. Maybe you get the first 10 days pass. You know, T- Tim Wall said that 80% of parents had their kids miss less than 10 days of in-classroom instruction. And he was basically telling parents, you don't really know what you're talking about. But I think the locking out of kids was horrible. I think the locking in of nursing home patients to die a lonely death and to see uh, Tim Walls's uh, commissioner of Department of Health, Jan Malcolm, working with their staff to try to find a way to deflect that responsibility on emails where they're trying to blame parents and kids. I think that was horrible. I think, I think locking down businesses in, in literally this cavalier way that they did and then pursuing them uh, with this heavy-handed approach was, was problematic. And I think it's especially problematic when you see that Tim Walls and Keith Ellison and even the paper today talking about there were so many ways 
that this Walls administration could have stopped this feeding our futures fraud at an earlier point in time. They wouldn't go and watch a door for 45 minutes, but they would go out and try to crush Minnesota business people. I think those three, but there were more. I think the denial of natural immunity was a problem. Now I think he's flip-flopped on that, and he recognizes that natural immunity does it. I think the flip-flopping on the vaccine where it said, you will take this, and then you won't get sick, and you won't transmit, everybody recognizes that that's not the case. I think Minnesota parents want to know right now, will Tim Walls pledge to never mandate COVID-19 vaccines for their kids in order to attend school. I think Tim Walsh should speak to that issue right here and now. Well, he can, but I first want to ask, Governor, did you overreact to COVID? Did you shut schools down for too long? Well, first, I think it's important here, and this is one of the things about this. This is a platform going out into the public. Many of those, including Minnesota Medical Association, deeply concerned whenever Scott has a platform. This misinformation that you just heard This deflection, just to be clear, 13,463 Minnesotans died. Many, many tens of thousands were hospitalized. Scott's answer on that was to question how someone died and wonder how it was done. Never helping, telling people not to wear the mask. He can't even practice in hospitals because he can't follow their procedures. He mentioned his license has been investigated five times. It's currently being investigated now. This reckless, dangerous behavior, this pushing internet conspiracy theories, made our job even harder. Now, let's be clear. When science changes its mind, they weren't lying. They learned more. That's the way the system works. And Minnesota, by all measures, ranks in the bottom 10 states of deaths per capita. We've been able to protect our long-term care facilities. Now, think about this. You've got a physician who the entire medical establishment in Minnesota is with us on this, an unprecedented step. I was with a physician last evening who treated over 800 people on ventilators. Over 200 died. Understanding that the state of Minnesota, the Mayo Clinic, the University of Minnesota, all of our healthcare systems were focused on protecting Minnesotans' lives. Did we learn from that? Most certainly. Have we been able to keep people out of the hospital? Absolutely. Those were how this worked. But keep in mind, this entire time, platforms were taking Scott off. He was named the lie of the year by PolitiFact for this nonsense around COVID. So now he's been given a statewide platform. This was his one addition for this job. Don't listen to the experts. Demonize MDH. Believe you have all the answers. Scott is like Bruce Wayne. He just thinks he'd push a bat signal and he'll be able to do that. That's not how it works as governor. A governor works with the folks who are experts making this the case. Out of the mainstream is a kind, kind characterization. Scott Jensen, who would you listen to? Uh, who would you take advice from if, uh, if another health care crisis came up while you were governor? I think there's numerous... Uh experts across the nation. I think we have some at the University of Minnesota that would have disagreed with uh, Tim Walls. I think it's uh, oversimplification to say that everybody's with Tim. The MMA, the Minnesota Medical Association, is a liberal organization, and they have less than, I think, 20 or 30 percent of the physicians in Minnesota belonging to it. And they, I don't know that they've ever uh, endorsed a, a Republican. 
Tim just called it this nonsense. Well, this nonsense is what's going on right now as we're talking about was there value in lockdowns? There's, there's people out there trying to have an intelligent conversation. Harvey Reich out of Yale, highly respected. Johnny Onidas out of Stanford. Um, Dr. Atlas, uh, it, it, Peter McCullough. There are people all over. And there's Denmark and Norway have stopped the vaccination programs for under the age of 20 and under the age of 50. So I think to oversimplify it is, is a mistake. T- Tim said he was with someone who had 800 uh, people on ventilators last night. 200 of them died. Well, that person, that doctor did quite well because generally when we put someone on a ventilator, we expect about a 30% death rate. And uh, he just reported a 25% death rate. But when we were putting people on the ventilators to count casually at the beginning of this disease, if you remember that, literally the death rate was 80%. It was literally for the patient perspective, if you were put on a ventilator for COVID, you had a four out of five chance of dying. That's why people were so desperate to stay out of the hospital. It's going to take some time for us but to it, see the dust Isn't set. that because of COVID? I mean, yeah, COVID but, was a deadly problem. No, the ventilator was a deadly problem. We actually reduced death rates once we stopped using the ventilators, once we started going more to anti-inflammatories, antibiotics potentially, but definitely prednisone, steroids, things like that. But what we found was that we were using the normal parameters to utilize ventilators, and we realized that what we needed to do was not use ventilators where you're putting more pressure behind it, but instead increase the oxygen concentration. We learned throughout this process, but there's no question. There's a reason why in that $7 million building that Tim Walls bought, to store bodies which never saw a body, it does have ventilators still on the pallet that have not been unwrapped because people panicked and we learned along the way. But I do think that so many of the things that were done during the course of the pandemic were in fact I think they're seen today as flawed. I think yesterday the U.S. Senate had hearings talking about where did the COVID virus actually emanate from? Was it a natural reassortment in various animal species or was it a lab leak? And I think right now we're seeing that it looks like there might have been a lab leak. Initially, I had said I thought it was a spontaneous reassortment. So I'll I'll grant Tim Wallace too. I didn't get it all right. I got things wrong. But I think as we see more and more data come across, I think people are saying more and more. And I think that's why we're seeing more and more physicians donate to our campaign. They're saying, Scott, you have been demonized and vilified, and you were right on an awful lot of this stuff. Quick response, Governor, then we'll change to another topic. Well, I don't want to platform Scott anymore on this. That that simply false on this. And I'm not going to apologize to Minnesotans for listening to the mortuary science people and the, the coroners who were using their data as they were seeing coming in in the early days of this. I wasn't going to allow a single Minnesotan the indignity of being put in a U-Haul. Um, so we made sure that we were prepared for that. And again, the good news is we sold that building at a profit afterwards. That's what government does. You prepare for these situations, you listen to experts, and then you tackle them the best you can. There's going to be, after the fact, we learn from those. We go back and look at them, and then we make adjustments. That's how this works. It's not be expected to be perfect, but we need to follow the science. We need to follow the best practices that are out there. And it's just, you know, the idea of, of, questioning what the mainstream view of this was in the early days of a pandemic. There's over a million Minnesota or over a million Americans dead. And as I said, 13,463 Minnesotans. If those families are listening, I'm deeply sorry for your loss and know that the state of Minnesota put that as a top priority, not some internet ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, but the best science. Two, qu- two quick questions. Right, One, quick. Um, he said he sold the building at a profit. I think if maybe we could ask for that to be fact-checked. Maybe, uh, it, was it a net profit or a net loss on that seven million? I think that's worthwhile. And then I never heard Tim uh, speak to the issue I asked. 
Will he pledge to Minnesota parents that he will never mandate COVID-19 vaccines for their kids to go to school? Scott knows that that's not the process just starts. There'll be a, a whole process on how these go, whether it's measles or rubella, which we have now protecting one another. But again, this demonization of seeing this, it's already been clear that that won't be done. But what will happen is, is that there will be a look at this. There will be uh, the best practices will go through. There will be a public comment period. There will be all that. that. That hasn't even started yet. But this is, once again, just demonized, telling parents this. And again, I think it's really important. The only person that proposed a vaccine mandate was Scott. Scott proposed mandating that parents couldn't make the choice for their own child. And again, Scott does that with abortion. He knows best. He believes that he knows better than what a woman would do. And that's what you're seeing in COVID. So, no, so, there's not, that's so not So, Mike, I asked works. a straightforward question. I said, uh, will Governor Wallace pledge to Minnesota parents that they will not have their kids mandated to get the vaccine uh, in order for them to attend school. And As he, switches a governor, over will... to, he switches over to abortion. Okay. And a few moments ago, he called me Batman, I guess because I'm Bruce Wayne, which is terrific because just shy of Halloween, I would like all the kids out there, I don't think they'll be able to vote. But if they think I'm Batman, that might be advantageous for me. But okay. can we stay on topic a little bit, Tim? I mean, well, are you going to tell parents the that their kids can go to school worked. if they say no to the COVID-19 vaccine? Are you or not? The misunderstanding with the job of governor is so apparent. I, can, you, can I give him some more time on this? Because I think Minnesotans be very clear on this. There's a process that will come forward on recommendations. Right now, there is no plan to do that. The answer is no, we are not doing that. We will see what future iterations of COVID bring. We will see what happens with some of the new variants. But to make this pledge, Scott is saying no matter what happens, we would never look at it. There's a process in place. It's not the governor's decision to make. And this is once again, he's already made the pledge that he wouldn't do that. So we get a variant that comes on that starts killing children. Scott's already made that pledge. There's nothing he's going to do about that. That's not governing. That's grandstanding. All right, let me change the let subject. Me, let me let finish me, real quick. I mean, 30 Tim, seconds. Tim said that he trusted parents. Now, let's just dissect what he just said. If, if there's a variant that comes along and it's deadly and it's affecting children, do you not think that if there's a vaccine out there that has been tested for safety and efficacy, that parents wouldn't be lining up to have their children vaccinated? No, there'll be people I mean, like you th- telling them Tim, not to. I thought One that we were going to not do this. Okay, let's, let's change the subject. Uh, okay. Crime has risen over the past couple of years. Uh, it's a serious problem. How are you going to get a handle on it? Governor, let's start with you. Yeah, we've seen this happen across the country. Certainly, um, again, grateful State Patrol. We have a new class out there. We had add, wanted to add more in 2019. I think the biggest things for Minnesotans is, is we have a low tolerance for this, as we should. I think the biggest thing the state can do is what we've done. We've had the longest and most robust uh, help to local communities in terms of the National Guard, both their ground assets, their air assets, stopping the, uh, some of the high-visibility patrols, making sure we're in the air on some of these pursuits, making sure that we're there to break up the, uh, the street racing scene that's been there, and then the Bureau of Criminal Apprehension. The BCA is there to process some of these gun crimes to make sure that we're able to get the guns off the streets, make sure that we are doing the things necessary in the investigatory. And then the, the biggest thing the state of Minnesota can do, because we're in a supportive role on this, is passing a budget and, and putting numbers forward, which I've done every single time. And I think we all need to be very clear Scott has been fact-checked today. He's got a false ad that, that lies about our position. But Minnesotans know, and talking to these local folks, that if we can infuse, which we propose $300 million, into these communities, like we're seeing in Minneapolis, where we have, a, we have a police chief hired, we're starting to do some incentives that the state is putting forward for some of the hiring. That's how we get at this. And then, moving back upstream, 
getting the guns off the streets, making it more difficult to possess those firearms, and making sure that we're doing some of that investigatory work up front where we're keeping these kids off the streets or being able to get their, their hands on that. That's what the state of Minnesota does. But certainly grateful, um, and you're seeing this, that high visibility presence of the state patrol and state budgeting to be able to fully fund uh, Department of Public Safety. Scott Jensen, how would you get a handle on crime as governor? You have just heard the godfather of the crime epidemic speak, and I just got a word salad with no meat on it. I would say this. First off, at our last debate, Tim Wall said he's proud of his response, proud of Minnesota's response to the, uh, the whole thing with crime. And then he celebrated yesterday an endorsement uh, from uh, Jesse Ventura, whereby Jesse's the same guy who was on with Alex Jones and said, police better wake up to the facts when you arm them to look like stormtroopers and make them look like SS Nazi troops. That's a recipe for disaster. Then in the wake of the riots two weeks later, Ilhan Omar came out and said that the police were a cancer that needed to be defunded and dismantled. And a few weeks later, Tim Walls told Minnesota, we need to all get behind Ilhan Omar, vote for her so that she could represent us in Congress. So I think when you have that blanket endorsement on top of someone calling the police a cancer that needs to be defunded and dismantled, I think that's why you perhaps saw an ad that didn't meet with uh, Tim's favor. That was a PAC ad, not one of our ads. So I would not have any any opportunity because I am firewalled off. But I think Tim knows that. But what the would bottom you line do? is what the bottom line do? is what we what I would do is I would put more cops on the street. I would double or triple the number of cops we have in Minneapolis. I would respect the work they do, and I would use the bully pulpit of the governor to elevate the work they do. I would absolutely recognize that incarceration is necessary to stop recurrent violent felons, and I would make that clear. I would make certain that the judges and the prosecuting attorneys understand that mandated minimum sentences mean just that, and that someone who's up for 17 years and two felons should not have a plea bargaining down to four months that he serves in house arrest. We need to enforce the law. We can't have our people going rogue and saying, I'm not going to enforce these crimes or these felonies or these charges. This is what's problematic. Tim has done everything, and it's almost like it's a volitional on his perspective, to denigrate the work the police do. That's why the Minnesota Police and Peace Officers Association came out and endorsed us. That's why wherever I go across the state of Minnesota, they know that Tim Walls is soft on crime. Tim Walls has a voting block that I cannot penetrate, and that's the criminals. They absolutely are going to cast their vote for Tim Walls because he's their man, and they know it. But no no one else is thinking that. Governor? Well, once again, you, you asked for specifics and you did not get it. Now, Scott mentioned this is his magical thinking on the budget. Remember, we're going to get rid of the income tax. We're, we're going talking about to budget cut, or police. We're going to, we will make sure. Are you? Go, I'll be go able ahead, to talk. Okay. Um, talked about this. We'll cut this. We'll cut the agency's 10%. He has a plan he said he put out. Now, we don't hear about it. We hear about the 10-point plan, but you notice you never hear one, two, three, four, five. But in his plan, he proposes $0 for police. Now, proposing $0, what we know is the state has two tools. We can support local folks with the state patrol, which we've done in the most robust. And yes, I will say those folks are professionals and doing good work. And then we can do funding, which I propose the largest funding increase of $300 million directly to communities for fungibility to buy what they're going to buy. So the state's ability to be able to tackle this in conjunction is there. But this is once again, this is a campaign of admiring problems and offering no solutions, telling people they're going to get an income tax cut, but I'm going to put more police on the streets. Where are they going to come from? 
How are you going to get the guns off the streets? In asked a question about violence and shootings and shootings in schools, Scott chose to use his time last week to talk about the NRA, proudly supported by the NRA. Not about getting those guns off there, not about working upstream. Scott Jensen, do you support any new laws on guns? I, yes, I had my name on a bill on straw man purchases. I think that that's definitely a problem, and um, I, I think we definitely need to do that. But I think we need to stay on point here. Tim Walls continues to talk about taxes and budget and all that. And if you want to know where our 10-point plans are, just go to drscottjensen.com. We have nine different 10-point plans. Uh, we've asked uh, Tim Walls uh, for a response and got nothing. But I think, let me just summarize what I see as core problem with Tim Walls and his budgeting and his spending money. He said at the last debate, you get what you pay for. But Minnesotans paid for 125 million meals that they never got because Tim Walls and Keith Ellison didn't do anything. Tim has said, well, I've sued drug companies because of the fentanyl. But he, why didn't he sue Feeding Our Future? Why, didn't, why wasn't there some evidence that they had done something? Because they had the opportunity in 2020 to simply ask for the bank accounts and they could have seen that these dollars were going to purchase Teslas and vacation homes. I don't think there's any question that we need to have conversations about real ideas and we're not getting that. My team has put together 10-point plans. I have three task forces ready to go on November 9th on uh, fractured supply chains, on public safety, and on student performance. We have those task forces in place. We are going to be a campaign that's going to be driven by ideas, not by word salad. Governor, uh, since the Feeding Our Future story has come up, uh, when did yeah. you first find out about the magnitude of this fraud, and uh, what steps did you take to stop it? Yeah, well, first and foremost, no one supports fraud. And, and our, uh, you know, this, this idea that these are people that are criminals, they took advantage of what we will find out when the investigation is complete, a way to make sure that they, they defrauded the state and they defrauded the people uh, of Minnesota. Now, look, there's, when the, the case came forward in November when um, Feeding Our Future was suing the Minnesota Department of Education, who were the whistleblowers on this, who were very early there and who understood that they needed to do something, they brought that case forward, feeding our future, and it's at that point that we knew. Now, there is an ongoing FBI investigation because this was a federal government program administered by the state. I am glad to say at this point in time, the federal government has put back in the safeguards um, that they had taken off to move the money and move the food a little easier. And the state of Minnesota, we've gone across all our agencies. Unprecedented time from unemployment insurance to other things of making sure that we see if there are loopholes in this. My concern now is the criminals who committed this are brought to justice and that we continue to make sure that we strengthen across the board. Good but aren't, aren't Mike, people, let me, aren't, let me jump aren't, Just in. wait, just wait. Aren't people asking why so much money went out the door? Oh, though, yes, after, me too. After you knew about this? Well, why, no, why no, did that Well, happen? the issue was, and, and I want to be very careful here, the FBI investigation is ongoing. I do not want to jeopardize any opportunity to put these people in prison, as they've asked. This situation, as you've been told, is once the investigation started, that there were decisions that were made. Now, when this investigation's done, 
and the legislative auditor and, and the folks take a look at this after that investigation, we'll get a clearer picture of this because I think then we will know. But it is unacceptable. All right, Scott Jensen. That's just a bunch of hogwash. You asked him when he learned, and he didn't answer the question, but whether he learned it in the spring, the summer, or fall of 2020, and he and his team have been all over. So I don't care what season he learned it in in 2020. He learned about it in 2020. The FBI wasn't brought into it until April of 21. So clearly he broke the law by not notifying the Office of the Legislative Auditor. We know that. He knew, along with the Department of Education, there was a possibility that state expenditures of dollars were being fraudulently spent. Then when, and then he said that there was a suit coming forward. That suit was brought forward by Feeding Our Futures against the Department of Education because they felt the Department of Education was being slow walking their applications. There's two jobs involved here. One was paying, one was applications. That was what the suit brought. At that point in time, Tim Walls and Keith Ellison could have gotten all the information they needed to see that Teslas were being purchased and vacation homes were being purchased. They waited at least six months up to potentially 12 months. He is dodging this, and Minnesota needs to hear that. Now he's trying to once again blame the FBI. He already tried to blame the judge, but the judge came back and said, don't you dare do that, Tim Walls. I don't care if you're governor or not. And then he tried to blame the Department of Agriculture as well. Bottom line is, there's more to this story than we know. He won't tell us when he learned. He won't tell us what he learned, and he won't tell us who is he trying to protect. Governor, a quick response. Well, most of what Scott says is usually not true. There is absolutely false on the legislative auditor. Uh, Look, fact check that. Fact check that. Please, one at a time, Governor. When there's an ongoing investigation, there is no, and that has been well documented here in Minnesota. But let's get back to this again. This is unacceptable. These are criminals that took advantage of a system to try and enrich themselves. It happens in the private sector. It happens in the public sector. I will spoke all along. We'll get the answers when we get this investigation done. It's not acceptable trying to create, you know, the Minnesota Department of Education um, was the whistleblowers in this. We'll get some facts on this. But no, just to be clear, it is unacceptable. We make sure and we manage billions of dollars across the agencies at a time of unprecedented need. And I think what, what I hope doesn't get lost in this is both first and foremost that those criminals, many have already pled guilty and they're continuing as this investigation goes forward. But I want to be very clear and say thank you to the countless school districts and to those nonprofits who followed the law and made sure that Minnesota was the state that was by outside folks saying did the best job of food security for our children. So fraud's unacceptable. Doing the work needs to be done. 30 seconds, Scott Jensen. Over $200 million went out after Tim Walsh was made aware of this. $200 million. We had a billion dollars in cost overruns with the Southwest Light Rail. We had hundreds of millions in daycare. We had tens of millions that did not help house the homeless. Over and over again, we have seen a culture of waste, fraud, abuse, and cost overruns swept under the rug. Okay. Let me uh, switch topics because we're we're running short on time. Uh, Abortion has been an issue in the campaign. Scott Jensen, you have said repeatedly that it's not on the ballot. Um, But wasn't that why many people fought to overturn Roe versus Wade? to put it on the ballot, to make it a state issue, why give up before you're even elected on trying to uh, restrict abortion further in Minnesota? The conversation regarding abortion changed entirely at the end of June when Roe v. Wade was overturned. At that point in time, it went from the federal to the state. 
And in the state of Minnesota, we have Doe v. Gomez in 1995 that provides a constitutional protection for access for all women to abortion. Tim Walls knows that, and Keith Ellison knows it as well. They both have it on their social media, and they've plastered it all over for the last five months. Tim has said, no politician can change that. I agree with him. No politician, no governor can change that. And that's not why I'm running. What I'm running for is I want to stand side by side with women. I think we want to make abortion less, if you will, less necessary. Let's make it, if you will, something that truly is rare. Let's have birth control pills over the counter with a $10 maximum per month. Let's have paid maternity leave programs in place. Let's stiffen the penalties for crimes that target women, such as carjacking and rape. Let's do all of those things. But at the end of the day, if Minnesota decides to have a constitutional ballot on that, I as governor would have one vote, each of the legislators would have one vote, and four million Minnesotans would have one vote. And Governor, it's important yeah. to recognize that in the Supreme Court in Minnesota, We're our Supreme Court well, justices are elected. Okay. They're not appointed well, other than for a short period of time. Tim Walls, 45 seconds. Yeah, well, it doesn't surprise me. Every issue is a flip on this. Let's just be very clear. I trust women. I have my entire life to make their own health care decisions. It's dangerous and reckless. It's between them and their health care provider. Scott, either in May blatantly lied to his supporters to get the endorsement of the Republican Party by saying, of course, we're going to ban abortion, or he's flipped on it now. But the fact of the matter is, this is the most anti-choice, anti-woman ticket that's ever run. His running mate claims that this culture and how women dress and women being out there are part of this abortion issue. This is nothing to do with the governor. As long as I'm governor, Women's health care rights are protected. Gentlemen, I'm sorry. I promised you both a minute at the end for a closing statement, and we are at that point now. Uh, Scott Jensen, take a minute and uh, present us with your closing argument. It's been an interesting debate. Let me just leave you some questions to think about. I asked, will you mandate kids to get COVID shots? And Tim Walls wouldn't answer. I asked, when did you learn what you learned regarding feeding our future? Tim Walls didn't answer. I would ask, do you still blame the judge, the FBI, and, and the uh, Department of Agriculture? We haven't even talked about the fact that Tim Walls and his administration has been willing to put violent recurrent felons back on the street when the probation officer said not to. CARE 11 found 16 specific instances where people were put back on the street and then committed murder. This is the approach Tim Walls has taken to crime. I asked Tim Walls, do you still stand with Omar, Ilhan Omar, Keith Ellison, and Maxine Waters against the police? And then I would also ask, why were you willing to inspect and come down hard on private businesses, but you weren't willing to examine any feeding site locations? Minnesotans, we've all been through some tough times, but this is the time for us to stand together. What you're hearing is a family okay. doctor who wants to solve problems versus a polished politi- politician who says, Thank I've done you. so well for the last four years, you should give me four more. Thank you, Scott Jensen. Governor Walls, Yeah, minute. well, thank you, Mike. Thank you, NPR. Thank you to Dr. Jensen. Um, Minnesotans, we have challenges. We face challenges, probably greater than anybody, uh, any 
previous generations of Minnesotans, but we did what they did. We came through at resiliency and we worked together. We have an optimistic vision of the future of us working together and building together to tackle problems, making sure that we're listening to our experts in our field, whether we tackle this issue of making the best schools in the country, making sure that we have paid family leave, making sure that we're protecting a woman's right to choose, making sure that we have lower prescription drug prices, and this is the state that tackles climate change. Minnesotans, I would humbly ask for your support to make a better Minnesota together. DFL Governor Tim Walz and his Republican opponent, Scott Jensen, thanks so much for coming by and debating today. 11 days to go until Election Day. Time to make up your mind and vote. We hope this program has helped you decide. There's much more about the campaign and the candidates at mprnews.org. Our producer today was Jeff Jones with help from Twyla Dang. Special thanks to Tom Campbell and the entire crew here at the Fitzgerald Theater for all their hard work and help. I'm Mike Mulcahy. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend. We'll see you again here next week.